When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to Dante's Divine Comedy Podcast. Uh, today, we are very happy to present uh, one of our great inspirations when it comes to understanding philosophy, theology, and also opening more of the worlds of Dante. And this is then Dr. Philip Carey, and he's a professor at, of philosophy at Eastern University in St. Davis, Pennsylvania. He's also a PhD in philosophy in religious studies from Yale University. He has taught at Yale University. University of Connecticut and the University of Hartford. He's written uh, several books and his speciality is the thought of Augustine, but he has also published scholarly articles on Luther, the doctrine of the Trinity and personal knowledge. And especially for us is the series of from the great courses, which was a huge opener for us. So welcome Dr. Phil Carey. Thank you. Glad to be here. Mm. So we're going to talk today about Dante's Paradiso, the structure of Dante's cosmology, and then perhaps a little bit about the sun, the fourth sphere. So we're going to start on something you mentioned in an email, which is uh, to talk about the architecture of the cosmos, then starting with the Paradiso, and why the movements are in circles, and every movement is already perfect, and Yeah. um, yeah, why... Especially this one, why circular movement is the perfected form of movement in mind as well as space. So you can start now to kind of <laughs> frame the whole big topic of the cosmology of and structure. Right. right. So it, it's it. I mean, it's interesting to start at the end, right? So so instead of starting with hell, the way the reading experience starts, let's start with paradiso, with paradise and, and heaven, because uh, in fact. Um, we are not used to thinking about heaven. We have this notion called outer space, uh, which is entirely foreign to the way Dante thinks. And what it means is we really don't think about heaven in in the classical sense. When Dante looks up at the stars, he sees heaven, and that's where we go when we die, if we're we're good people, right? Well, why? First of all, what we see is, is circular movement, according to the astronomy that goes back to Plato and Ptolemy and so on. It's useful to know, um, the ancient Greeks, they knew that the world was a sphere. They knew that the world was spherical. It wasn't Columbus who discovered that the world was round. No, Plato already knew that. Um, Circular movement was perfect movement because it's not a journey. A journey is imperfect so long as it's still going on, right? And 
imperfect, by the way, simply means incomplete. One of the most important things to get is that the word perfect is Latin for complete. So a journey is always incomplete as long as it's still going on. It's not perfect. Any journey that's still taking place is not perfect because it hasn't reached its goal. So what could perfect movement be like? Movement complete at every moment. Well, think of a dance, right? In a dance, you're not trying to get to the end the way you are at a journey, right? Um, so you, you're circling. Dances are, are constantly circles, right? And the image of the dance occurs several times in the Paradiso. Why? Because every moment of the movement is already complete and perfect and satisfying and delightful and joyful, like a dance. You're not trying to get to the end of it, but you are moving. So, so the circular movement is a combination of rest and movement in one, right? It's, it's rest in the sense that it's come to its goal. It's come to its completion, right? It's not trying to get somewhere else. Whereas in purgatory, we are on a journey. We're trying to get somewhere else. In heaven, we've already arrived. So every movement has got to be arrival at every moment, right? And then to, to go all the way back to the beginning then, uh, hell is where people are stuck. And the deepest image for that at the very bottom is the people stuck in ice, right? Who cannot move. But even at the higher levels of hell where, where things are not quite so bad, um, think of the, the lustful, they're being blown about, right? And that's also a way of being stuck, right? They can't move themselves. They're not on a journey, but they're also not dancing. They're just being battered about. And an aimless movement is another way of being stuck. So those are the three fundamental forms of movement. Either you're stuck in hell, or you're on a journey in purgatory, or you're dancing in, in, in heaven. Those are the three kinds of movements. And so it's useful to start with, with the dance because that's where we're destined to be. If, if we if we arrive at our goal yeah it's so interesting also how if it ties into the, the overall movement of the the whole comedy with like it starts with virgin mary who sees the pilgrim <laughs> lost yeah. in the forest and it goes all the way until the final canto when bernard kind of <laughs> gives the prayer to mary and then the whole kind of from the grace and all the way like there's a certain yes. circle of the whole comedy right there's a huge circle in the whole composition right? Because there's no way that Dante can ascend without the first a descent, right? And so um, when Virgil meets him and says, you're, you're going to have to take this trip with me to, to go through, um, to, to first through hell and then purgatory, Dante is, is afraid, right? He can't do it. Um, and there's a, a theology here behind this of nature and grace, right? Um, by nature, we are not our bodies don't go to heaven by nature. The heaven is for, for, for light. It's not for, for, for earthly bodies. And then of course there are, our bodies are corrupted by sin. So Dante is not ready for this trip. So in order for him to descend and then ascend and then get all the way to heaven, heaven first must descend. And that's why in the second canto, I believe it is, there's this story which you just referred to. It begins with Mary and she speaks to uh, Lucia who's, who's a, a, a feminine figure of grace and light. Lucia, of course, means light. And then Lucia speaks to, um, to um, Beatrice. And Beatrice, of course, is going to be Dante's guide uh, in, in Paradiso. So there's the descent, because Mary, of course, is, is the highest human being there is other than Christ incarnate. 
and and so there's this descent of of a message from Mary to Lucia down to Beatrice, and then Beatrice, God bless her, she goes all the way down to hell to talk to Virgil. Right? This is extraordinary. It's like it's like light coming from heaven, which oddly enough is not exactly natural right because it, and this is crucial to the, the way everything moves in the in the part in the whole uh, divine comedy light goes up have you ever seen flames that burn down no flames go up because it's going up to heaven where its home is among the light of the stars and this and the sun and earth goes down because because earth is heavy there's four elements in in medieval physics and you know earth goes down fire goes up water and air are in the middle um you know uh, if you think of a, a lake on a sunny day you'll see it right uh, the, the 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 sun is up high then there's the air then there's the lake and then there's the water at the bottom so it's natural for earth to fall down right and for all these heavy things to collect at the bottom of the world and crush satan who's at the center of the physical universe but going up that's not so natural to us and it can't happen unless what is heavenly first descends and so the heavenly light is a constant image of grace the descent of the light in its gracefulness rather than you know the light could have just stayed up in heaven and, and left us alone but instead it comes and 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 makes our ascent possible. So one of the one of you wanted to mention uh, a favorite moments, right? One of my very favorite moments in the whole poem is there in that second canto, and Dante's afraid, and and but he hears the story from Virgil about how grace and help and mercy has come from Mary to Lucia to Beatrice to Virgil, and when he hears this story, he says he's like a flower on a cold, cold night, which is all closed up, right? And you might think that as he's preparing to, to take a trip to hell, he'd have an image of being closed up in armor. But instead, it's the light of heaven that warms the flower so that it opens up to the light above. And that's what makes it possible for him to go into hell, not closing up in armor, but opening up to the light above. That's what grace feels like. Right. Mm, it's such a beautiful moment. I actually I prepared two things to read, and that was one of them. Uh, ah. When he says that the three such gracious ladies who are blessed uh, watch out for you up there in heaven's court, and my words too bring promise of such good. This is then Virgil speaking, and then the pilgrim says, "As little flowers from the frosty night are closed and limp, and when the sun shines down on them, they rise to open on their stem. My wilted strength began to bloom within me." And such warm courage flowed into my heart that I spoke like a person set free of fear. Yeah, and it struck me so. There's so many. There's so much what you said now. But um, when you talked about like that, Dante has to go down. There's uh, what gripped me first, like 15 years ago, with the comedy was this emotional connection to the work. His fear in the first canto, the the loss of hope in the as they go into. Uh, like the definite the worst part of inferno is that you lose your hope it's not the pain and I, yeah. it just struck me as so deeply psychologically kind of the, the insight was so profound yeah. and also this little scene that he's this this yeah. image because it's that's how big things can start in you as this yeah. <laughs> fragile little flower and then it can grow into something very strong okay. eventually um and other things you said that it's this thing that like to ascend we don't really get the explanation 
until paradise when they start flying and then the pilgrim is confused and Beatrice is explaining we are now in heaven this is as natural as a stream of water falls down the mountainside right. that we are now right. going upwards instead so um because grace has a nature of its own and and that nature of grace is to ascend right um so our soul when it is enlightened by grace ascends right and, and there's images of course of of the light that kindles the will right um the image of light and fire go together and and the light warms you and you know warm things go up right and and it then it kindles you and and it's fire and one of the things to, to be aware of as as we think through this is that fire for dante is a heavenly image right because it's warm it's light um it's, it's there's an old old image used by many many of the church fathers uh it's in origin it's in augustine it's in the thomas of um an iron bar that is incandescent from the from the heat and the light right imagine a black a blacksmith shop with an incandescent iron bar now iron is made of earth it's cold it's heavy it doesn't ascend to heaven but fire right we become like an iron bar incandescent with the the, the, the fiery love of of god right because fire is an image for the love of god it lifts us up it, it heads towards heaven where it belongs and so it's it's as natural for the iron bar to go upward as it is for fire to go upward if it's incandescent with the light and fire of the love of god it, yeah. it really comes towards the end of paradiso then with both the seraphims which then means fire in hebrew and yeah. empyrean which also means on fire as the, right. the mind of the divine and the, the final destination yes. so it's that imagery and as i seen it explained more and more that like why the, the deepest of inferno is not not burning that it is it's more about yeah. that like the lack of freedom with with yep. sin and the mistakes that it will yep. <laughs> it will um it will take control of you and then you you yep. will be unable to have any freedom at all no freedom at all right so so when dante goes into hell you, you are alluding to of course to, to that 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 terrifying gate right abandon all hope ye who enter yes here. exactly um so so he walks in and then one of the first images is of the starless air right the air without the light of heaven it's a strong image it's a powerful image and again if you think of the four elements what he's saying is in hell you're going to have earth you're going to have water you're going to have air but you won't have the light of heaven you won't have fire right um so there, there's there's some things that burn and so on but but no heavenly light um and so the the deeper you get the colder it gets you're getting far as far away from the light and warmth of heaven as possible and at, at the bottom of it all you're stuck in ice right you've got water that behaves like earth because it's so cold right no light no heat no warmth no nothing yeah um whereas when you get up into para into paradise one of the things we have to get used to in the medieval cosmology when you get to, to the heavens there's no earth up there right there are no planets with dirt right we have this notion that there are planets and they have earth like mars has dirt in it not, not for dante it doesn't right these things are, are are spheres of light um and if they're made out of anything the spheres are made out of a fifth element right uh, but but there's no there is no dirt in heaven come on heaven is where earth is not earth is down heaven is up and what happened, I mean, only of like two or three centuries after Dante, here comes Galileo with this notion that the rules of motion are the same 
in heaven as on earth and not in Dante, they're not, right? Motion works differently in heaven than on earth because heaven is heaven for heaven's sakes, right? It's still a kind of a radical claim though to say that the, the, the laws of physics and nature that we experience here necessarily applies to the whole of the cosmos. It's not, it's not a given. <laughs> so, it's not a given at all. It was a brilliant achievement of Galileo's science. I mean, yeah. um, I mean, alas, Galileo was right about the physical universe. Um, so we have to imagine our way back to a different physics that we no longer believe in. But it's, it's, it renders and makes visible the movements of the heart and the soul and the spirit. Um, and, and, and that's what's so powerful about Dante. Every physical movement in Dante's poem is, is an image of a spiritual movement. Every single one. Right? Yeah. Yeah, there's I no was about to say that there's, there's a certain kind of a spiritual geography <laughs> to oh, yeah. when, especially as they leave the, the top of uh, Mount Purgatory. Well, it changes yeah. all the way from, I would say, from the fifth terrace when you have this earthquake, which is not an earthquake, but it's the release on Purgatory as a, mm -hmm. as a spiritual release when you really get the material and spiritual kind of disconnecting with, with the statues that he becomes ready to ascend as right. from there on you have this kind of two two levels at least to the whole storytelling that it becomes a, an abstract right. spiritual world to orient yourself in so yeah yeah the, the, the whole the, the whole picture is is a picture of how the will moves the soul uh the way you know physical energy moves moves the the, the body and you know you, you might think that these folks in purgatory are you know being kept against their will but not at all they're there because they, their will says, I need to be purified. And as soon as their will says, well, as soon as their intellect recognizes that they're purified, the will says, okay, I can go, let's go, climb, time to, time to climb, yeah. And, and one of the wonderful things about the whole law of ascent in purgatory is the higher you get, the lighter you are. Yes. The climb gets easier as you go. It's so Why? beautiful. Yeah. When, when the pilgrim is complaining at the first like when they, when they start because it goes straight up and you need both your, your, your hands and your feet. And then Virgil just gives him some support and says, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> as opposed to normal mountains, this is hardest at the beginning, but then eventually yeah. it will, climbing up will be like floating downstream in a little boat. Right. It just, and again, that's, again, that's that image of, from the four elements, right? Water flows down, earth falls down, fire goes up. Right, and that's why, why so much of the imagery in Paradiso is fire and light and 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 translucency and so on. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. I also really like when you like you the two concepts you mentioned now with the the will and also aiming because they mm -hmm. are so fundamental to understanding in some sense the practical side of of the comedy and how it can help you in your world life and the world for you now. Uh, I think especially the will is one of those things that takes the longest to understand that it's about your freedom of choice and that you mm -hmm. can choose in life. We are given the, the, the freedom to choose yeah. in life and then your choices then have consequences. So you can yeah. uh, be on the side, but like there's no judgment really in Inferno and Paradiso It's more the consequence of your Right. Your choices, uh, right. but then the big challenge, like Dante is suggesting, many in many places, is that aiming is really hard. Like finding the right thing is like it's a bit like archery that you actually have right. to find that little point that you should aim at. It's right. so easy to go wrong. So, right. 
Yeah. Do yeah. you have any thoughts yeah. about that? <laughs> well, there's a magnificent thing that Aristotle says, which is in the background here, when he says, um, uh, getting things right is hard because, you know, it's hard to hit the target. It's easy to miss it. Exactly. Right. right? Missing the bullseye is the easy thing to do. Right. Hitting it. That's hard. Right. Yeah. It takes intelligence and vision um, and discipline, all of it. Right. Yeah. Um, but you, once you might you're good. Yeah, and yeah. you might also say say guidance. I mean, that's also what what Dante right. wants us to do. He to, wants right. to do to us. He wants to guide us for aiming. Right. He wants us to see where we're going so that we can aim more properly. Right. Um, because it, it, intellect, intellect and will go together. Right. Those are the two fundamental uh, features of the movement. Right. The will is is what moves you uh, with love and, and desire, but the intellect is what sees where you're going. And, and so the will without the intellect is just aimless. It's, it's like being blown about with the lustful, right? So you've got to have the intellect as well. You've got to have light, which is why in Purgatorio, you can't climb except during the daytime. You have to have the heavenly light descending in order for you to ascend, right? Um, and, and then oh, you were talking about how um, the, the physical and the, the spiritual are, are connected and disconnected. Um, there's a wonderful moment near the top of the Paradiso, which I don't want to neglect, where um, Dante sees everything turned inside out, right? Because in the physical world, Satan is literally at the center of the physical world, right? He's down at the bottom, and it's at the center of the universe, because all of the weight of sin and earthly desire, uh, you know, crushes him, right? Because sin is, is a kind of earthly love. Um, my love is my weight, says Augustine in a famous passage, right? But that means fire has a, a weight that drives you upward, right? In, in ancient physics, fire, fire pushes you upward. Um, earth puts you downward. If you have earthly desires, it's all going to crush you just like Satan at the center of the universe. But that's the physical universe. The spiritual universe has, of course, God at the center. And it turns inside out. And all of a sudden, um, uh, God is at the center, and then you have these, the, the, instead of the, the spheres of the physical heavens, you have these, the spheres of the celestial hierarchy, and you have all the angels, with the seraphim being at the closest, right, because they're, they're the ones who are really on fire, right, um, and the, the further ones away are moving more slowly because they're fur, further from the, 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 the heat of the, of the love of God at the center of things, mm. so, so the spiritual world looks like the physical world turned inside out yeah that that moment is one of the most mind-bending things to read yeah. because you you get to the the fixed stars the constellations you go into the yeah. first mover as this outer shell that sets i mean this is in some sense it's the bottom of the aristotelian uh, yeah. metaphysics or like his uh, yeah. his uh, idea of divinity as well like and then yeah. and then suddenly he he moves he looks deep into the motion and then suddenly he starts seeing this point of divine light and circles. But yeah. then what has embedded the whole material cosmos suddenly right. inverts, like you said there, and it right. becomes the center. And then because that's the center of time and being, right. it just kind of emanates yeah. out into all directions. It's just um, th there's a kind of beauty of literature that you have this temporal element that you can actually use words mm -hmm. and make this transition in the mind when you read it. But it's still... Yeah. It's it's almost like a mystery how he could come up with the image, or well, it's stunning how he manages to do the poetry, um, and then he keeps saying, "But yeah, I can't really describe it. It's way beyond my power to describe." Let me tell you the next thing, which is even more beyond my power to describe. Right? 
because one of the things yeah. that happens as he's ascending is he keeps being dazzled right? that image of, of yeah. you know, the light was too bright for me, which is a way of saying my intellect couldn't grasp this because it was too, too, too intelligible, too beautiful for the intellect. And then he goes on because precisely by being dazzled at this level, he's ready to be strengthened for seeing at the next level. Yeah. And this happens beginning in the Purgatorio and, and throughout the Paradiso, he keeps the eyes of his mind, yeah. right? The, the eye of the mind keeps getting stronger and stronger. Exactly. Is it's dazzled by what is too much for it. It's, it's a wonderful such, dynamic. Yeah, it's such a beautiful process that he can take in more and more of the light. Like if you if you stare into the center of theology, it's too much yeah. for you in the beginning. So you got to yes. take the steps. You got to grow with it. Take a bit of time. And there's there's this one moment when Beatrice, I think it's right after the great grandfather, great great grandfather. Um, when oh. he looks at her and then she suddenly like he wants to look at her eyes yeah. to see the more of the paradise and suddenly she says can't you see now paradise is everywhere now yeah it's, it's not yeah. just in my eyes you don't have to focus into theology anymore it has it's becoming part of your whole world your whole being everywhere whole and it's such yeah. another such a beautiful little yeah, because one of the things that's happening as you ascend is you can look down and there's a moment when he looks back and he yeah. sees the whole darn thing. Well, not the whole darn, it's a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. But it's also tiny, right? It's Earth so, is so small by comparison to heaven. That's one of um, my favorites, favorites from the first time I read it. That, like it uh -huh. looks so paltry. He sees, he looks down the spheres and looks at the little Earth. It's like, yeah. it's so small. <laughs> And it, it used to take up so much of my imagination, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the first two canticles of the Divine Comedy. I, I've struggled with that stuff. and and But now, look at how tiny it is. Yeah. It, that couldn't hold me back. How did that held? How could that possibly have held me back, right? Let me look up, look up again, right? And then he looks through the fixed, the fixed stars where he first sees Christ and Mary. And to the prima mobile, which is the first, the outermost sphere, which moves most fast and, and move well and moves the other spheres. And then for those people who, who are not familiar with this ancient astronomy and the medieval view, right, the out beyond the outermost sphere is, as, as you say, it's called the Empyrean, right? The, the heaven of fire is what it means in, in Greek. And it's, that doesn't move, right? It's, it's, it's the perfection of peace, the, the, the space outside of space in which the, the movement of, of space is contained. It's, Dante is trying to give us an image of space outside of space mm. because inside space, everything's moving, right? All those spheres are moving. But outside space, it's just the, the purity of, of the fire of God's love. But you can't take that too literally because, of course, there can't really be a space outside of space. That's, that's, so what you do is you look at it, and as you're looking at it carefully, boom, the inversion happens. And it, so suddenly this thing that's outside of space becomes the center. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, because Dante knows that you can't really just picture God as sort of outside space as if you could just climb up there. Right. No, he's at the center. Um, but physically, he's outside. But, you know, spiritually, he's at the center. It's, yeah. As a, as a tiny aside to that, it's like um, this idea of immaterial reality beyond time and space. This might be yeah. a little bit kind of quirky for some, some listeners, but you could. I mean, some of the Greeks started with the idea of numbers, like numbers exist yeah. outside of time and space. Yeah. They, they don't have an age. They don't, they are nowhere. Where is number five as a concept? It's like, yeah. oh, it's, it's everywhere. It's nowhere. It's like, and it's, right. th there's a one little example. I, I know this is an old Greek trick, isn't it? Like to just open up the thinking that that is, we do, we can apprehend something beyond time and space, something immaterial, yeah. which is a reality.
which is a reality. Yeah, in fact, um, this is fascinating because I, I mentioned Augustine who had that wonderful line about my love is my weight. Uh, and that's an image for, for movement within time and space. But Augustine was also deeply fascinated with the omnipresence of God, right? God is present everywhere, but not spread out like a material thing, like water in a sponge or fire in the universe for that matter. Right? God is present everywhere as a whole because the image of the center is like a center point of, of a, a geometrical figure, right? It has no, it has no inner structure. It's, it's, it's perfectly simple, right? It has no parts. And therefore, wherever God is present, God is always present as a whole because God doesn't have parts, right? Um, and, and so that omnipresence as a whole is, is the secret that means that God is, you know, not in space because he's present everywhere. Precisely yeah. because he's not in space, he's, he's wholly present everywhere in space. Yeah. But I still have the sense that this is what Dante is trying to get at, that is mystery in the moon, like as a portal into paradise. Uh, he's sucked yes. into the moon, like, like light into water. And then he's a solid body. The moon is supposed to be a solid body. It's not supposed to work, but it does. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, and he, he's hinting, like, if you can start apprehending this, like, there's a truth here that will sparkle or shine like a star or like a gem. So it's, but there's something about, like, again, the spiritual material being united. It's not, it's not about, this. you need a different way of thinking that yeah. they exist. They're not directly connected, but they are united. But, but like it's a, right. it's a mind bender, all of this. But you, you do, the more you read Paradiso, and this is the, this is where it is done when he is explaining that the pilgrim needs time to, to take in more of the light. You feel the same if you keep reading Paradiso several times, that you gradually understand more and more. Or you, it's like you're training up some kind of apparatus almost in your brain that you can, you can actually start understanding it. And so I think that's absolutely right. Um, I have a friend who's reading, I think, Dante seriously for the first time and is finding the Paradiso very abstract. Yes. Right. And, and for the first reading, yeah, okay, it's very abstract. You're not used to thinking this way, but Dante is trying to teach you. Yes. That's why that ascent, right? And that's when um, you see, like, he's such a kind and gentle teacher in his yeah, yeah. work. He's, I mean, Purgatory was my favorite for, for many years, but now Paradiso is starting to become the one ah. I keep going back to because it keeps giving and giving and giving. Um, I just want to say one other thing, but like on the side for listeners with the, with the aiming and uh, like the purgatory, mm -hmm. like just two words that are really helpful because of penance and this, oh, they have to be punished. And but like, so, but the idea with pen, uh, uh, repentance is then metanoia in the Greek is to change your mind. And, and sin is the, the archery word for the Greek to miss the mark. It's kind right. of you're not right. hitting the right thing. So you kind of, you're just supposed to change your mind from making mistakes. That's, yeah. It's not this authority kind of judging and punishing. It's, it's, a, it's yeah. a very joyful, uplifting and motivating, yeah. inspiring process that right. he is suggesting. That, and, uh, and you, yeah, I mean, you're quite right. I mean, it's, it's striking that the word for sin in the Greek New Testament is hamartia, yep. which means missing the mark, which is, a, yeah, it's a word for aiming at the, well, failing to aim at the bullseye, right? And, you know, you, you can aim at the wrong thing, right? You can aim for adultery instead of marriage. You can aim for... Uh, cheating and getting filthy rich rather than the, the, the richness of divine love. Um, and, and one of the things that, that, that is, is key here is that both intellect and will uh, are corrupted together, right? You aim at the wrong thing because you see the wrong way. And you see the wrong way because you aim at the wrong thing. 
So they have to be cleansed and, 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 and they have to be cleansed together, right? The mind has to be cleansed at the same time as the will. And then there's that wonderful moment when uh, someone like Statius realizes, okay, I'm, I'm totally cleaned off. What should I do? I should do what I want to do, right? Augustine has this lovely moment, love and then do whatever you want. But of course it means love God with your whole heart, mind and strength and your neighbor is yourself and then do what love prompts you to do, which in Stacia's case is let's get up and, and, and climb the hill. And oh, Dante, let me tell, tell you about what, uh, what love is, is all about, right? Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it, it also echoes the idea of, of the, um, when they're at the top of the Purgatory Mountain when Virgil has this big speech as mm -hmm. a symbol of rationality, like I have taught you everything I, I can. Now you're ready to follow, your, uh, follow the pleasure follow your right. desires now because you have right. the foundation the rational foundation which is crucial to have first before right. you can start ascending into something transcendent or something mysterious and um that's yeah, right you have the apparatus. Moment. yeah yeah it's like uh, i crown and mitre you i, yes. I think it's yeah. what he says right? yeah. so Lord you're king yourself. and bishop yeah. yeah and and you should do what you will to do because now your will is pure yeah right? and, and, and it's hard to imagine being in that place where you should do what you will to do because your will is so pure. But this mm. is something to aspire to, right? Exactly. Um, but it's like if we are, are at best at the bottom of purgatory. It's, it's <laughs> we yeah. climb and, we, uh, <laughs> and we keep going back to the, to the beach at the beginning, I think, oh, and yes. look up at the mountain. Like, yeah, it's something you can climb several times. It's um, so just the idea of like the word. Um, the topic of the vices and the virtues is something that I really learned so much going into the deep, the details of what this really is. And then mm -hmm. it changes you. And then suddenly you start seeing the world differently. Uh, one of the, the, the countless practical examples, but one is like this envy that the, the root of envy is the misplacement of value. So it comes from putting material values on top, because right. if you put spiritual values on top, there is no envy. Like you're not going to, it is just a mutual, uh, mutual reflection of like the divine love, as he, as he says. But the goodness will just kind of reinforce itself because the more there is, the more the better it is for everybody. Yeah, there's an image like of that in Paradiso, which I'm, I'm sure it's what you're thinking of, right? Where where the light hits a mirror, then it hits another mirror, and, yeah. and instead of diminishing it, it grows, right? Yes. So if I see someone else in Paradise who is full of the love of God, that fills me with more love of God and it just keeps on growing. Yeah. Um, that's one of the crucial messages, you know, early on with um, uh, Picarda, right? Who uh, appears in the lowest sphere and, and Dante's kind of thinking, what, I mean, aren't you disappointed? And, and she says, and she kind of laughs in, in this heavenly way. Like, you know, I was like, don't you understand? Every place here is heaven and we are in willed in his will. I mean, the, the Dante invents new, new Italian to say this. We are in willed in his will uh, and in his will is our peace. That famous, wonderful line. You know, how could I not be happy to be looking at, say, Mary? And she's so much more glorious than I am. Isn't that wonderful? And we we're so far from actually being that unenvious, but maybe maybe we can just imagine looking at Mary and saying, "Isn't it good that she is more holy and glorious than I am? Yeah. Right? Wouldn't it be dreadful if I got to heaven and discovered I was better than Mary?" No, 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 no. <laughs> but I, it I is. I know yeah. enough about Christianity, you know, not to think that way, right? But, but it is one of those things that most or it's one of the most common thing to stumble 
over in yeah. the beginning of Paradiso and people think this is strange. Why should you be happy at level one or two when you have nine or 10 levels? But then, as you say, one thing is every, all of them live in the Empyrean. They just, they're reflected down into the spheres. So, so the pilgrim with his, his small intellect, as, as yeah. Beatrice kind of hints at, can understand it. Like we as readers, we, we can't understand yeah. really what it is. So we have to we need to be presented with an image. But it's also like Picarda says that um, we have exactly the right amount of blessing according to our capacity for it. So you could think like if you, many things in life, you don't necessarily, the more isn't better always. Like there's something called like, this is perfect for me and this is what gonna, what's going to make me most happy. That's I am filled to the brim with the love of God is one of the things she's saying. And, and the other thing that's important is she, she's saying, I mean, don't think that any of us in heaven is being punished. There mm -hmm. is no punishment in heaven, right? There's different levels of joy, but of course that's appropriate and beautiful, right? You wouldn't want someone like me to be higher up than Mary, would you, right? I don't want to be higher up than Mary, right? Um, you know, so, so and that, that cleanses us of that awful envy and that spiritual competitiveness. I, I mean, when I teach this text, it, it, it does offend my students when they first encounter this. It, it's the first big you know, uh, a hurdle for understanding the paradise. Uh, um, but no, you've got to learn that it's a really good thing that there are people who are better than you and closer to God, right? And you can rejoice in that. And when you do, you are lit up more because it's that, that you know, the, the light gets, gets increased as it's mirrored in, in more mirrors, right? So, so your own joy increases when you take joy in saying, you know, blessed are you among women, right? More blessed than any woman. Right? Of course, that's going to fill us with more joy. But it's got to be, you know, it's, it's going to be this unenvious joy. Yes. Yeah. I don't yeah. think everyone would be happy in the, like the seraphim level of, of intensity. I think you could be. <laughs> right. I, I'm not ready for that one. That's for sure. Uh, this is Probably never will be. Yeah. Ask yourself, yeah. where, where would you be then if you're like level three, five? seven <laughs> it's a, it's a i want to choice. hang out with the theologians i think uh, if yeah. i get to the theologians i'll be happy yeah. yeah yeah the fourth fourth level of the sun that would be yeah right. um so uh, i just gonna have a couple of notes from the so uh, i looked at the so you wrote a paper about augustine and dante and we touched upon so many of these things already but uh, um there is a couple of things that i, I really liked for example then uh, the ontology of heaven, yeah, increasingly, it's about increasingly aligning oneself through the journey, more and more resemble the will, the, the resemblance of the will and the soul. But I thought this, uh, back to this will thing for one, for one little moment about um, understanding that, you have, so, the, so the will by movement that is not in place. Because I, yeah. I read somewhere about getting closer to the divine like what does it mean if you don't have space and yeah. then one said or wrote that it's about likeness and resemblance yes more resemblance then you are closer and i thought this was like mind-blowing <laughs> to just yeah. think in this yeah. way yeah and and that is how augustine thinks um there's some hints about that in plato um in the theatetus you know uh, what does the journey look like it looks like becoming more like god Plato himself says that. And of course, Augustine loves that too. And, and so this is one of the ways in which the classical tradition and the Christian tradition are agreeing about this, right? How does the soul move? Because the soul is not a physical thing, right? It, 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 
um, the mind, especially, right? How many, you, your, your brain is, is like three inches wide, but your mind is not three inches wide. So it, it doesn't occupy space. It doesn't move around in space. How does it move? By love and desire and by likeness. As it moves closer to God, it becomes more like God, uh, more full of love, more full of delight and joy. Um, and, and of course, the imagery of light in the Paradiso is all about that, right? The, the brighter you are, the more you are like the light of God. Um, and I think that's right. Um, but it's only the beginning of an imagery of, of, you know, what does likeness to God really look like? Yeah. Well, it looks something like the increase of light, but we need to say a lot more. Um, this, so it also ties a bit into um, idea of, of, in some sense, like eternal knowledge. And then, I mean, this is more like an, a classic um, or like medieval thought, but like we we discover the same wisdom over and over. It's not your personal wisdom. So yeah. the more you grow, the more you align yourself with the established eternal wisdom. And I had to, I have the sense sometimes that this is what Dante is hinting at when he says to, that we should align our will with the divine will is that we should understand these timeless uh, mm. dynamics and like <laughs> uh, the nature of the world and the wisdom. And then we choose to, for the good, like we understand the path of the good. And then we personally align ourselves more with those paths. And that's a way. Yes. Does that make sense? I mean, yes. I mean, you can think of it uh, at a fairly elementary level. If you just think of you know, learning mathematics, right? Things are eternally true after all. Um, and everybody learning mathematics is learning the same thing, right? Everybody learns two plus two equals four. Everybody learns the Pythagorean theorem. But one of the wonderful things about mathematics, which has revealed itself more since Dante's time, is that it's it's infinitely bottomless, right? You can keep on learning mathematics and never get to the end of it. Um, so there's a sense in which we're all learning the same thing. But what we're learning is so vast that there's also this differentiation, you know, it's like you're going to learn the mathematics of Mozart symphonies, and I'm going to learn the mathematics of, of Bach cantatas, right? Both of which are very mathematical, right? But in a different way. And it, it's all the same mathematics, and it's all infinitely beautiful. But some of us are going to be more Mozartian, and some of us are going to be more Bachian, right? And maybe yeah. even some Beethovenians. Um, but that's a great point to avoid this, especially I felt like a bit younger that there's a need of feeling. Um, to, to have a sense of your own identity and if you right. just if you just absorb all the ancient wisdom and just go with that it's almost like you don't have your own independent right. thinking so that's that was a slight resistance <laughs> earlier but but this is kind of changing but what you're saying there is, is perfect in the sense of just you can choose you can navigate this this endless <laughs> sea of wisdom yeah, and beauty and form your own like yeah. your own territory it's or like yeah it's the same sun, it's the same light, but we all come at it from different angles. And part of it, and this is gonna be very important for Dante, is, is that you know we are differentiated by our bodies, right? In, in Thomas Aquinas, the, the, the body is the principle of differentiation between one being and another. This is why every angel is its own species because they can't be differentiated by bodies. So, so each one is a different form. Um, where for the human form, it's, it's the soul, right? So what differentiates us from one soul to the other is the body with its history, its wounds, right? Um, and that's, that may be something that Dante should say a little bit more about. Um, I mean, he affirms the resurrection of the body, of course, but, but um, in Paradiso, you know, these folks don't have their bodies yet. 
You know, the resurrection of the body will give us the body that came from our mothers, right? The body that came from our mother's womb. And Christ himself has the body that came from the Virgin. Um, and there may be more to say about that that, that the Paradiso doesn't quite give us. Yeah. yeah. It's also, when you say this, it, uh, I'm certainly thinking in some sense, or just the better you get to know the Divine Comedy, in some, you can feel that you're, you're getting also closer to Dante's, like not the well, sort of like the soul of Dante, but you understand, you feel that you're getting closer to what he is trying to say by just understanding him better. That's just one yeah. example of kind of you, you're getting closer to things by like going deeper, and then you also see how he is navigating and choosing from the whole, like two and a half thousand years before him, and then he is yep. making his own little kind of imprint or, <laughs> or right. selection to this all. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I thought maybe just like last five, ten minutes looking a bit at the sun, since you mentioned already now the sun as um, that maybe a place you would like to be. So also for <laughs> listeners, yeah, uh, the sphere of the sun is uh, one of the biggest uh, spheres, like four and a half cantos in Paradiso. And that is where you have all the theologians and also some just virtuous people. You have 24 people in two rings. And this is kind of the illuminating uh, part of of kind of those who who knows how he breathes and how he begets, as he says in the beginning, uh, yeah. and that's really the the like this enormous tribute to wisdom as Dante uh, mm -hmm. is putting there. And um, just going to read the beginning. It's so beautiful. The beginning is a little yeah, four terses here, but I always have the sense when Dante gets here to Canto Ten in Paradiso, he really sees this is the last part of the whole comedy that he spent twelve years of writing. There's a, there's a sense in it like now he's going to start on the real, real, <laughs> the yeah. deepest, the, most glowing really stuff. Real. Yeah. Yes. And we're just out of this of this, the shadow of, of the earth as well, because that goes over the first three spheres. So he says that he opens with, looking upon his son with all that love, which each of them breathes forth eternally, that uncreated, ineffable first one, has fashioned all that moves in mind and space in such sublime proportions that no one can see it and not feel his presence there. Look up now, reader, with me to the spheres. Look straight to that point of the lofty wheels where the one motion and the other cross, and there begin to revel in the work of that great artist who so loves his art, his gaze is fixed on it perpetually. Mm. That is the, opening, the preamble of that one. Uh, he still gives me the chills to, to just read it. Um, mm. One thing that when you had, so you mentioned mind and space as well. Yeah, uh, there we are. Yeah. What I love about this is, and that struck me the first time, that he is pointing to the mirroring of the world outside and how we perceive it in our minds. And mm -hmm. they are, I mean, there are two things, but they are, it's just like that he's, he's, he's pointing to this reflection, which is so powerful, I think. Yeah, yeah, and, and of course, the, the initial image is, is Trinitarian, right? It, it's yes. the um, looking on his son with the love which the one breathes to the other. So that's the father looking at his son through the Holy Spirit, who is the love that is breathed forth from the father and the son. Um, or this is the West where, where the spirit comes from the father yes, and the son. Filioque debate comes in, right? <laughs> And the, the, the Holy Spirit is the love that unites Father and the Son and is breathed forth from both of them. And that's the, the source of creation also, right? Yeah. Because the, yeah. the, it's the triune God who's the creator. So that last bit is, is how the huh. master looks 
fixes his gaze on his art. Exactly. And the art is the sun, yes. who is the, the wisdom and the word of God through whom he made all things. So, so wow. right, Christ, <laughs> right, Christ is the wisdom and word and art of God through which all of this beauty comes. And that's what wisdom is about, right? Because wisdom is about seeing how God, the triune God, creates all things in the image of, of his beauty. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, you need 24 people at least to do that, right? Um, yeah. yeah. I hadn't connected it. Up. I hadn't connected it before, like the, the, the Trinity in the beginning as creation, and then you yep. get the artist right after. Right. And, and the and gaze that's, is that's, fixed on it. Yeah. It's, it's related to the fact that in the, the, the great Trinitarian theologies of the fourth century, you have, you know, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and that's, that's the logos, that's Christ. But the, the parallel passage that they also discussed all the time was Proverbs 8, where the Lord creates the world through wisdom, right? So by wisdom, God creates heaven and earth. And the, the church fathers read that and said, yeah, that's saying the same thing as in the beginning was the word and all things came into being through the word. So Christ is word, Christ is wisdom, and yet Christ is the divine art by which the divine artist makes all things. Um, and that's what wisdom contemplates, human wisdom contemplates. And that's what those 24 theologians are all doing is they're contemplating that wisdom by which God made the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and mm, th there is <laughs> there's so much to say about these things. Uh, uh, all right. the, the, I mean, the knowledge and the love. So he put, he talks about the cherubim and the seraphim. Those are the two highest levels of the angelical beings right. and they represent love and knowledge, wisdom. Right. Ch cherubims as, cherubim as, streams of knowledge so there's a play between love and knowledge as the two yes. deepest strongest forces of of reality of of existence everything yeah um yeah you had somewhere in in the essay you wrote something about uh, mm, the love now first see then love because these two the inner circle is the franciscans and they they sorry the the, the inner circle is knowledge it's the dominicans and the right. outer one is love and it's important because dantes is suggesting that knowledge comes first then comes love grows out of knowledge yes they're also going back and forth like a twin garland of flowers they have this right. kind of unity between those two uh, right. schools one thought. comes first but they're absolutely inseparable yeah exactly so um and then in those two rings you have them uh, for the most part dominicans and franciscans so but it's a very interesting mix of 24 people so i sometimes i see this as dante's idea of uh of a university, of a of a, ah. <laughs> of a seminar, kind of. Th these are the. You should start with these twenty-four thinkers, or have knowledge of them. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, just overall, so out of twenty-four, uh, you just have two from the from the Old Testament, old biblical stories. You have mm -hmm. eight from like the late Roman classical times, and then you have fourteen from his recent time. Many of them kind of mystics as well. So, like the from the monasticism and this like the 11 and 1200s so they are the kind of the biggest mm -hmm, right but there's a there's a really fascinating mix of right. of thinkers and also some more eastern you have uh, christism is there and uh, right. dionysius is there the areopagite Ar yep. so yep. what do you make of it <laughs> yeah yeah i i don't know if there's a simple sort of architectonic explanation of each item in you know in the 24 um i think of, of it's like a windows in a cathedral right you're, you're walking down the nave and you've got 12 windows on each side right uh, and they're looking at each other but i i don't see a simple sort of formula for, for for who's what 
other than the, the, the basic structure that you've got the Dominicans with Thomas Aquinas who are emphasizing the intellectual uh, aspect because you, you have to see in order to know what you love. And then, then there's St. Bonaventure and the Franciscans who are more about love than about seeing. But of course they need each other and there's this wonderful courtesy of them, right? So Thomas Aquinas praises St. Francis and then condemns the, the, the corruption of his own Dominican order. And Bonaventure, the Franciscan, praises St. Dominic, the, the founder of Thomas's order, and then condemns the corruption of the Franciscan. So there's, you know, there's this, this deep courtesy between love and knowledge or intellect and will. Um, and then they're inseparable and they're also an image, you know, the 24 elders in the book of Revelation in chapter five, right? Um, the 24 elders that. are probably what the, 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 the 12 sons of Jacob and the 12 apostles, right? So, so this yeah. is, this is not as high up as that, but it's something like that. It images that. Yeah. You, you have it in the, the, the garden of Eden. You get the 24, like representing the, the books of the old Testament. Then you have the, oh, right. the procession also with the 24 number but, at yeah. the top of purgatory. Yeah. 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 yeah so 24 is, is a big number. Um, and yet we're, we're only partway up, up to heaven, right? The, the sphere of the sun, fascinatingly, is not at the highest point of heaven, right? It's it's the point where there's no more shadow of Earth because you can't have shadows in the sun, right? Um, and we know that you know uh, what Venus and Mercury and, and the Moon all get get shadowed by the Earth or can be have be eclipsed by the Earth. The sun cannot be eclipsed by the Earth, but above that, it's fascinating. Above the theologians is the just rulers. Right, the, the 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 rulers are actually higher up than the theologians, and then the highest are the are the the, the monastics, Saint Benedict. Right, um, so the theologians they're they're just professors and such, right? And and they're writers, they're writers. You know, people like you and me, we write books, right? We mm. do podcasts, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we we need to know our place. We're not as high up as the rulers. Who, who but, it's, but it's very interesting, like Saint Aquinas and Saint Bonaventure, they. They were lecturers at the at Sorbonne, like the University of Paris. They, yeah, yeah, they weren't kind of uh, recluse <laughs> monks. They were right in the middle of education, like and rational education. It's very, very rational. It's like Richard of Saint Victor is there. He's very rational in his right. approach to theology. So, yeah, one. I think the way to think about it is is their home is the university. Whereas two spheres higher, you're up in the sphere of Saturn, which is the sphere of contemplation, but that's the monastery, right? So, so in fact, to be in the university is to be involved in what um, medieval folks would call the, um, the active life. The teacher is, is living the active life, not the contemplative life. Because, you know, we might rather be reading good books, but instead we're having to talk to students, right? Um, and that's a, that's a work of charity. And a work of love, but it, it's it's not the the highest work, which is the work of contemplation. Yeah. Uh, so these are teachers, That's, right? They're, they're busy preparing lectures. Uh, yeah, a great point. Those, I mean, the, the the this is the founding of universities in Bologna, Paris. Uh, yes, uh, I guess also uh, Oxford comes a bit later, but um, yeah. they yeah, and the, the monasteries. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, most so, of these folks were lecturers in the university. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. it's also interesting with the uh, the sphere of. Of Saturn with the with the monastics that it's a very it's one of the shortest ones it's one of one and a half cantos it and it's for me I always and you have the big ladder it's almost like a catapult you get there you just meet it it's such an intense spiritual glow in it and then 
you just boom, you're up into the fixed stars. Because right, if if you're with Benedict, why are you paying attention to Benedict? Benedict mm. is paying attention to Benedict. Ben, Benedict is looking upward. You ought to look where he's looking. Yeah. 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 So so launches you right straight into the, the sphere of the fixed stars. And then the next thing is the vision of Christ and Mary. Yeah. Yeah. That is fantastic. Um, I'm just watching the time here. Uh, I would like to go on for another hour about the sun, uh, but I think we're going to wrap it up here as a first talk and just like an introduction for people also to Paradiso. It's a, it's just a, such a marvel of a book, but it it takes some time and you need some guidance. Um, I don't know if you have any final thoughts about just paradise um, or. Um... This, yeah, to, to, to touch on something we said before, this is a book to live with for a long time, to come back to over and over again. Um, and it's, you, do, you do end up being different when you come back to it five years later or 10 years later. And, and uh, I, had the big, I had the great privilege of teaching it regularly. And um, yeah, it, it, you learn from it and you, it changes you. It's meant to do that. And it, it, it by and large succeeds, I think. Yeah, yeah. I would say the same. It's uh, or I'm still in the process of just yeah. learning even more. So um, we're in the we're still in the journey, right? We're not in the circles yet. Yeah. We're in the journey, right? Yeah. The, our movement is is toward an end that we have not arrived at yet. Yes. Exactly, yeah. and it goes maybe f a final quote from Dante, which he takes from the medieval cosmology that, like, what is the goal of the intellect, and then for for and that is uh, to increase your understanding of the divine essence. That's yeah. the intellectual goal. Beatific vision, yes. Exactly. Yeah, we're not um, there yet. <laughs> but I mean, the process is the is the joy of it, isn't it? So right. Yeah. And Dante gives you the sense of of why it's a joy, um, and and then the paradiso really does grow on you. The the sense of delight, I think. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Uh, okay. So thanks so much, everybody, and uh, see you again um, in another episode. And uh, bye bye. Bye bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.